Good afternoon, and welcome to Everybody, the podcast which shares stories that highlight people in life, that make the world an interesting place, which ultimately ties us all together in unique and wonderful ways. And who am I, you might ask? I would be the head-wrapped socialite, wife, mom, micro-influencer in the fashion and etiquette world. But on this podcast, I will be introducing you to some people who I've had the opportunity to meet along my journey, who have helped enrich me in my life in beautiful ways, and who I hope will do the same in yours. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Everybody, where today's special guest is Nancy McGee. Now, I have known Nancy for over 15 years now. And the way that I remember meeting Nancy, correct me if I'm wrong, is through our husbands. But I do remember seeing you at church before we actually knew each other when you would be there with your little ones. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Well, I I grew up in uh, the smallest city geographically in Connecticut, okay. Derby. It's about five and a half square miles. Received my degree in nuclear medicine technology from Quinnipiac College, now known as Quinnipiac University, and that's in Hamden, Connecticut, as well as a paralegal certificate from the Philadelphia Institute. I've worked in New Haven, Connecticut, Sydney, Australia, Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Canada, and Philly. I am a mom to three adult children, grandmother of four, stay-at-home mom for 21 years, and while staying at home, and I say that with quotes, air quotes, I was a volunteer coordinator for six years and regularly volunteered in the Rochester Public Schools while the kids were in in, in the school district. And can I interrupt you really yes. quick? Because for those of us who are stay-at-home moms, as you put that in, you know, air that, quotes, air quotes yes. we all know that being a stay-at-home mom is probably one of the hardest jobs that we will ever uh, do because it takes a lot because it's not just, you know, an eight hour shift. That's a 24 hour um, manager, managerial position. I love it. Exactly. The CEO of the household. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But continue. Yes. You know, yeah, because we're in charge of inventory, maintenance, groundskeeping, landscaping, Mm -hmm. housekeeping, finances, meal planning, all of that. Oh, I, look, can I, can I get that list from you? <laughs> because that is the truth. And then so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else, um, after you volunteered um, in the school district and on the parish level, where else did you volunteer? In the, uh, at the Rochester Women's Shelter. Okay. I did some, I would cook meals there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And also in the emergency department at St. Mary's Hospital. Wow. For about four years. Wow. That's amazing. I started in donation services in March of 2017 after our youngest left for college. Now, what exactly is donation services? Donation services uh, used in the healthcare field, it indicates organized tissue donation. How did you find this line of work? Like what made you choose to go into donation services? After my youngest left, I... I wanted to go back to work, but I wanted to do something meaningful. I was, I had no idea what that was. Mm-hmm. So uh, one day I just got on Indeed, the job website, mm-hmm. typed in part-time jobs, Rochester, mm-hmm. and 
at the bottom of the first page, there was an ad for an ocular procurement technician. So at the time, did you know exactly what that was? I had no idea. Okay. I thought, well, I had a bit of an idea, but I thought it was related to being a courier, Mm. just transporting eye tissue uh, from point A to point B. Okay. I was contacted for an interview mm-hmm. and thrilled when I found out that I would actually be performing the procedure if I was proficient. What are some of the skill sets that one would need if they would go into donation services? Donation services is the umbrella term. Mm-hmm. So the ocular, now we call it ocular recovery technician. Okay. So the skill set for to become an ocular recovery tech mm-hmm. is... Um, for one thing, you you need to find out if you're comfortable being in morgues and funeral homes mm-hmm. and hospital rooms with decedents. Okay. That is the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, a if you're interested, or if, if anybody is interested in the position, an observation is required mm-hmm. because many people say, "Oh yeah, I've watched CSI. Mm-hmm. I've watched these horror movies, these murder shows, and right. I I." I can handle, I've seen dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless you've actually seen a donor, you, it's nothing like it's portrayed in Hollywood. So that is the first step. And that's what I did. I went on and up actually a couple observations, Mm -hmm. realized that this is something I could do. Then the training begins and we need to find out if you know, what's your dissecting skills are like? You need steady hands, good okay. eyesight, fine motor skills, oh, uh, because okay. it is a delicate procedure. The majority of people who are who are doing this job have had some kind of healthcare background. Mm. The requirements for the position itself are just the skills that I just mentioned, mentioned mm-hmm. as well as 21 year, years or older okay. and a high school education. Okay. So really, if if anybody meets those uh, first three requirements and they go on an observation and once they go on the observation and they deem like, this is something that I can do. And the supervisor in charge or the manager in charge that looks at them and say, okay, they can't handle this. So even without a health background, one could be able to do this sort of job. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, but you also need to have empathy and compassion. It can't just be another job because as I tell many people, this is a vocation for me. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, you, you are dealing with, with a human being, right. you know, at the, at the, you know, the last point in their life. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell people, and I'd like your listeners to know mm-hmm. that if you're considering being an, an organized tissue donor, or uh, if you have a loved one who has been an eye donor, mm-hmm. y- you can know that they have been treated with tremendous dignity. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, first and foremost, that's the most important thing. I remember when I had seen you out and about, um, I guess this would have been around 2017 when you first started. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking you, what you were up to. And you proceeded to tell me that you had this new job and the way you spoke about this job, you were passionate about it. It seemed to fill your cup. And 
I oh, would... that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It brings me joy. It seems unusual mm-hmm. that it brings me joy, but it is a vocation. Mm-hmm. It's another vocation, another vocation. besides motherhood and exactly. marriage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, right. In addition to those mm-hmm. things, how can I ask you a question? How did your family like react when you said, <laughs> I'm going to do this? Okay. Um, well, the, the kids were just thrilled. Okay. Uh, the kids, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's interesting, you know, yeah. mom has been home for so many years and yes. finally she found this passion. It, well, it, it, they could detect the passion. In Absolutely. It. Uh, my husband was the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. When I first started within the first week of starting, uh-huh. I went into the bedroom in the evening and there he is sleeping with his swim goggles on. <laughs> Like like swim goggles that you put on in the in the swimming pool of the ocean yes. oh, with yes. the elastic mm-hmm. around the correct yes yes <laughs> so was was he was he nervous was he was that's his sense of humor Trina you know that <laughs> or lack of I don't know what you want to call it <laughs> I, could, I could I could totally see mm-hmm. this happening yes oh my goodness and what did you I hope you just took the goggles and you just snap them. Yeah. <laughs> I actually took a photo of him and I use it in my talks that I oh, give to Lions Clubs. That's fan- yes. that's fantastic. Um this is this is this is great. Um I would like to ask you um on a more serious note, when you go into harvest. Don't like using that word. Okay. All right. Harvest it, it's correct, mm-hmm. but to me it it's it 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 conjures up a a violent image. Okay. And I think of um, a threshing machine or a scythe. Mm. Um, so I use the word recover. Okay. Because it is a delicate and gentle procedure. Okay. I like using the word recover. You're, you're correct. Okay. In, in using the word harvest. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, personally, I do not like using that term. Mm-hmm. And also because I, it reminds me of, illegal organ mm, harvesting okay as well that's that's fair mm-hmm. so okay so i'm gonna make a note to self Reco- i'm gonna recover yes. not not harvest but even though harvest is it's a correct, correct. term it terminology mm-hmm. okay yes so when you go into recover um what if you could take me through your 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 the procedure the procedure all right most of the procedures are done um in at mayo Okay. We cover 18,000 square miles of mm-hmm. Southern Minnesota, but 95% of the cases are done at Mayo. Okay. So we don't have a lot of driving to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do need to drive somewhere else. We do operate. It's a 24 seven operation. Okay. And we are required to uh, be on call for six hour shifts. We can combine them. We can just stretch them out over the course of the month. Okay. What I do like about this, I know here I am digressing about the scheduling, but mm-hmm. just to give you an idea, okay. what I do like about this particular position is that it's flexible. Okay. If we're going on vacation, if I have an appointment, I just do not put myself on. Okay. I do like that flexibility. It's also unpredictable that mm. you never know when or if you're going to be called in, where you're going to be going, what type of donor you'll be getting. Okay. You can be getting... Um, an elderly person who passed away naturally. Mm-hmm. You can be getting a um, motorcycle accident victim. Mm-hmm. You can be getting suicides, which mm-hmm. are 
they're the most difficult for me. Okay. Just young teenage suicide victims. Mm -hmm. Someone told me once who had attempted suicide Mm. that they wished they could talk to these young people and say, it does get better. Mm. So when I see those suicide victims, I'm, I ask, I I talk to them too. I talk to the donors. Right. Um, I ask them, you know, what it's it just so heart wrenching, you know, like right. what was distressing you so much mm-hmm. that this was your last resort? Right. You know, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, but as far as getting back to your point about what, what happens, yeah, we have to don PPE and everybody knows what PPE is because mm-hmm. of COVID personal protective equipment. Okay. Mm-hmm. We need to examine the donor. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, for your listeners, yeah, I, I just need to reiterate that the donor is treated with tremendous dignity mm. during this process. Mm-hmm. We need to examine the donor head to toe, okay. front and back. Okay. And we are looking for anything that may, any type of infection that may be missed in the medical record review. Okay. You know, because we need, I hate to say it, but eyes on the donor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Then we do need to draw blood as well. And we draw blood just to the, so that the lab can check the serology okay. to check for any infection okay. again before the tissue is transplanted. The only thing we do as technicians is the blood draw and remove the corneas. Okay. All the evaluations are done by the research at, by the lab scientists up in St. Paul. Okay. Because we don't have a bricks and mortar building here in Rochester, Mm -hmm. we just ship the tissue up to St. Paul where it's evaluated for the surgeons. Okay. And they check to make sure, well, I can't speak for the lab scientists, but they check to make sure there's no scratches or infections or anything on the, on the cornea before they ship them out to the, to the surgeons. And I know there's more that they do. I'm sorry lab people up at LGS. <laughs> I don't know what you do back there. <laughs> so what exactly is your mindset when you go in for recovery? Like how do you get yourself mentally prepared to perform the procedure? I've done nearly 500 recoveries since okay. I since I started. The only thing I want to be prepared for mm-hmm. is the way in which the donor died. Mm. I Okay. Don't want to be, I don't want to say surprised, but I don't want to go in not knowing what to expect okay. because that would, I, I just need to prepare myself maybe emotionally mm-hmm. for what I'm, okay. I'm going to see. So it's just a matter of looking at the, um, you know, the records, how okay. did this person die? Okay. You know, hospital death, an accident, a suicide. Mm-hmm. And when you to the recovery, have any like rituals that you do for yourself? I talk to the donor. It's, it might sound silly. It's like, I'm sorry, sweetie. I just want to check your back. Because it shows me the compassion that you have for your job. Um, it also shows me the dignity at which you still allow these beings to have, even though they're no longer in their earthly body. Mm-hmm. It takes a special type of person to do this. And I listen to you of how passionate you are about this. It shows me that you, this is truly a vocation for you. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and that's how I describe it to everybody. It's a vocation. And uh, it was funny because um, probably about a week after I got this job, I ran into a neighbor of mm. mine. And she's so funny. She said, <laughs> She said, it's like this job fell from heaven into your lap. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> but I do remember when we were talking about this mm-hmm. early on, mm-hmm. I asked you if you would be interested because you would be perfect mm-hmm. for the job. It's your empathy and compassion mm-hmm. for your fellow human. Mm-hmm. It does take a certain person. Right. I don't want to say a special person. It's not mm-hmm. special. It's just mm-hmm. a certain person who can tolerate mm-hmm. certain um, environments because yeah. you would be terrific in that. And I remember a- asking you about that and you said, well, I'm intrigued, you know, because I wanted, yeah, I wanted you to go on an observation. Yes. You know, let me just take a moment and uh-huh. not just jump right in. And right. I appreciate, you know, what you, what you said about the compassion piece. When you go into the room and you speak to these people, I was thinking how our world, the physical world and the spiritual worlds, they are so close. And that when you're showing these people um, who have passed on, uh, there's a word in Sanskrit called dana, and it's generosity, and you're showing them charity, and you're giving them uh, peace, even though they're no longer here. I believe that those beings still feel um, the love and the warmth, the connection to our, our, our physical space as well. And when you show them this generosity, this Donna, I believe that it just makes the world a much better place. I like that Trina. But those who have deceased and their families, I know to know that you, this is something that is your passion. I know it will bring them just a peace within their, within their hearts, knowing that there is someone out there, multiple people, many people who do this for this line of work, who truly care about the loved ones who have passed on. Right. And, and again, just treating them with dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just a body; it's a it's a human being, right? And you know, you just need to respect that. So, what impresses me the most is the number of parents who willingly mm. consent to their sons or daughters' donation. Right, right. Because it's already a a hard thing to do it, to go it, through, mm-hmm. and then and and then they're you know thinking, oh, there's something else. my son daughter can help someone else. Mm. Mm-hmm. that's you're in the depths of your grief. Right. And I can't right. imagine having to, you know, cause there's questions. And again, this is kudos to the donor coordinators who need right. to, who deal with this day in and day out mm-hmm. grieving family members. Mm-hmm. But I just can't imagine. I don't know. Yeah. Just consenting to that. Right. You know, even wanting to talk to anybody about that. Exactly. The time of their despair. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. You know what? I did have a question for you. There we go. Is there, is there any, like, did you have any trepidation? That was one of the questions that I, before you actually took on this job, was there anything or were you just already like? Absolutely none. Okay. I was, 
this was exactly not. I want to say exactly exactly the type of job I okay. wanted to do. The type of vocation I wanted mm-hmm. a vocation, mm-hmm. okay. and this was it. That's wonderful. One of the things I, I find myself doing mm-hmm. is looking at people's eyes now. Oh, and I I look at their eyes and I look at their anatomical features. Some. You know, every and I didn't even realize this until I started doing eye recovery. Everybody's eyes and anatomical features around the orbits are different. Right. Some are deep set, some are bulging, some are small, some are large. So I see. I'm looking at yours now. Trina. I know. Now, now I'm like, oh no! Don't. I have the great glasses too. I can see the entire orbit. I should have worn those other glasses. <laughs> uh, but. That's the only thing that may be a little maybe unusual. Okay, so I would love to chat with you uh, longer, and I'm going to have to bring you back at another uh, time. Um, Nancy has just been called. I just you- got called in, so I need to. Uh, that, here's the other thing. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I have no recall anymore, Trina. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> Neither do I. Once- once we're called in, mm-hmm. uh, we have to get there as soon as possible okay. because time is a, of the essence. Right. Uh, donor eye tissue needs to be recovered within 20 hours of their death. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you um, so much for being here. And I know you have to go do your job now. Um, but thank you so much, my friend, for being a part of this episode. And may God bless you. And I love you. And thank you again for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for asking me, Trina. It was fun. Nerve wracking, but fun. I'm glad you had fun. (laughs) Look, I love you. (laughs) 